I'm going to read this portion out of. I think the other mic is. Romans 4 verse 6, and it's King David and I, I'm just stuck in my personal Bible study time in Galatians 4. For those who's not been following me, Galatians 4 speaking about the, um, the two sons and the two promises and the two mountains and the two wives. Okay, so for many of you guys, I've not preached in Pretoria on that, um, but for the people that come from Bronkospreit who's followed me would know that that's where I am in my personal time and I don't get quite around that because I feel that we're, we're living in a hybrid time where we believe that we are 95% petrol and 5% battery operated and what I mean by that is that sometimes we feel that we are only 50% spiritually filled I want to tell you you are 100% spiritually filled if you've given your heart to Jesus you're 100% and the only thing that you can do is, Mike Bickle makes a statement, he says, all of God's judgments are aimed at that which removes you from his love. So sometimes it's like when you take a cup of water and you throw it full of stones and you throw water in, it will maybe only have this much water in it. But then the Holy Spirit starts dealing with us. And that's why we stay under the fountain of God's love. Bible says, we're constant gefilled with the Holy Spirit. Get constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So the water keeps on pouring and then he starts dealing and he tells us to deal with certain things which we take out. And then we become aware as we become more filled. And I want to tell you, I became more filled and then I became a Pharisee. Thinking that I've achieved and accomplished certain things. And I want to say to you, you should never come to that point or place where you think that you are okay. And it's through your power. It's not through power nor through might. It's through spirit. Now this morning, I'm taking up an offering as part of our worship. For those who like to use the card machine, Michelle's got the card machine. Um, guys, the main reason why we, we came to Pretoria, and if I say the main reason, it sounds so wrong. The main reason why we came is to spread the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that I believe that the Lord wants to give us a family of our own. So I want to ask you to invite people. And the second thing was, the reason why we are coming is because I've got a heart for the broken and the lost. And I want to see that the Lord comes and do a thing in our age which no one is taking responsibility for. Not the governments, not the financial institutions, not the national lotto unless you are black in these days. And guys, you will know me for those who know me. I've got sons at the back there. Bongani, just wave at everyone. Where's John? I've got a lot of black sons. Okay, They'll tell you I don't treat people different on the basis of their color. But I do address certain things and agendas which is going on in our time. And I, I'm, I'm serious about these things. I'm never going to be apologetic. Okay? I don't have a racistic thing in my, in my life. I drink and I eat and I love these guys more than their own parents. Am I right? Love them. I tell you, I'll lay down my life for any one of them. And I say it without, without any other conviction. But what I do believe is that we, we are coming in to a place where the church needs to take responsibility for the broken, for, the, for what is falling apart, for the widows and the orphans. And we need to celebrate God's goodness. So I want to tell you, it's time for us, if you can dig in and buy all what we do with these finances at the end of the day is we make it possible for the ministry to continue and we chip it in back into the poor. So if I want to, by the end of, let's say, at August this year, I want to be at full capacity having 70 people from the streets in Ark where we can help these people to continue. 
So I'm, I'm asking you guys in that sense, I know it's a small group, but buy in with us. And maybe you're saying, but Matthias, I don't have a lot of money. You won't believe how much the widow's few cents meant to God because she was obedient. So let's give what we can give. I never want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. I want you to give with an attitude of saying, Lord, here's my, here's my sacrifice. And it must always be a sacrifice. Okay? The one area of test is always in our finances. Bring your finances and say, Lord, I trust you. And I'm again eat and omavir. So let's do that. We're just going to take up the offering. I'm going to read a portion of scripture, Romans 4, verse 6. And I'm talking about King David here. He's in the old covenant and he's saying, even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Okay. I think what I'm going to do is, I'm going to um, give these guys quickly chance just to take up the offering and then I want to get, because I really want to catch up with you guys. Um, who believes in righteousness? Who believes that you are righteous? Who is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Is there any such people here this morning? Okay, so if you can't raise your hand, then I trust by the end of this morning that you will. Okay? So, the, the one thing is, is, if you don't know, a man is just what they found himself. A man is as he thinks of himself. Okay? I believe that King David was, adv he was advancing in his time because he thought differently. He was not captured by the way that he thought. And listen here, even King David himself speaks. I'm reading out of, the, out of the Passion Translation. Guys, I really want to challenge you guys. Okay, so John here was my, um, John, just wave at the people. He's quite like me. John is the most friendly guy you can do. He's got apologetics essay. And he's the, he, he was the main motivation. I studied the word for five, six years prior before meeting John. And he had one year in my life where he taught me to read the Bible in context. And that one year changed my life so tremendously that I would have told you I would have been a Pharisee if I went out without doing that one year. That one year. And all that I learned was the context of the word and what God And I don't say I've got it under, I get it under the knee. But what I do believe, I believe you can have a doctorate in ministry and you can still miss Jesus. Okay? I'm not impressed with anyone's education. I'm, I'm impressed by the way that you love Jesus. The way that you yield to His Spirit. And John, thank you for that. He's one of my mentors and one of the guys that really has a, a lot to do. Um, I look a lot up to him. And if I really am in a pickle, I always check my theology or my stuff with him. Amen? So, hallelujah. Donkey John, thanks for being here. So listen, yeah, even King David himself, now he taught me out of the ESV, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because I came to a point where I've done the ESV so much that I thought to myself, Lord, I need to get these lenses off. With all the Bible in Afrikaans geleers. You sit in church and you read it in the Afrikaans version, it's great. But then you get to a place where you just need to change the lenses. You just need to get a different perspective. And you need to think of what you are reading. Otherwise, we, we, we read through it, want so lief het God die wereld, God dat is een gebore sien gegeet, dat wie ook loom sal glo nie verloor is, sal gaan maar die ewe gelewe sal hee. That if you read it into English, and especially when you read it in the Passion Translation, which is a quite liberal translation, it gives you a, a perspective or a feeling. Now what I like about the Passion is it's, um, Dr. Brian Sims is, is doing a, a special, especially a good um, a, 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 
es eschatology on the on on the basis of the word where i really believe he's opening up people's spiritual eyes to discern what the writer is saying so listen here even king david himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when god's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life okay it's not on the board behind you i'm reading from from my bible so what he's saying is that there's a completeness that comes by a powerful declaration of righteousness when we hear it in our life. And that's what I've been preaching these past few weeks, is I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher of we are in right standing with Christ Jesus. I want to tell you there's nothing that you can do this morning to increase your right standing with God. John, am I right? There's nothing. Your right standing with God is because of the work which Jesus has completed, and it's because I am in Him, and He is in me. And even if myself and Carly had to have a difference this morning, we're not less married. I'm not less committed to words. I can tell you, we can have a pickle with one another, but you try and have a fight with my wife, and we'll see how that works out. Okay? If, you, if you're Willem's size, I'm going to shoot you. Okay? I promise you. not even going to have close combat. We're going to sort that thing out from a distance. Yeah. Uh, listen here, this is in David's time. Now remember in Romans now, apart from our works, God's work is enough. Who agrees with, 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 with Paul here? Apart from our work, God's work is enough. Here's what David says. And remember now, if I speak about the shadow books, John taught me, he said in the Old Testament, was, it was the candlelight. It's one of the things I remembered of your class. It was the candlelight of God's revelation. And now in the New Testament, we've got the sunlight. We've got this very impressive sun. You can see clearly what the will and the heart of God is. Amen? Now here, here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead of those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood? Remember, David was in an inferior covenant. He was still under the covenant where you had to pay with the blood of goats. And he had the revelation that the blood of the goats worked. Even though Paul makes it clear in Hebrews that the blood of goats can't pay for your sins. You had to have a righteous man dying for you in your place. If one man, Adam, made us all guilty of sin. Think of it. Kijk het gaf jou langs en sê vir my, hoe kom het jy kleren aan? Dan sê jy, donkey Adam. Okay? The reason why you are wearing clothes and not leaves or, well... They weren't even wearing leaves. <laughs> Was because when Adam missed the mark, we became self-aware. And I want to tell you, we've been self-aware ever since. You had self-bewusstheid in you. You had full scam. I want to tell you something. For all of us who are older, I had to go to the 40s and now I begin to come to the house. I had a grey place, you see your beard and this and your rock. I was never, I never had that issue on 20. I never thought to myself that gray hair is an issue. Amen? And all of a sudden, now you've got this gray hair, and well, for the past few years, guys, if I walk into a room, then they call me oom. As I say, I have a paper clip. And the short and the long is that in an inferior covenant, David was so aware of, of the fact that he is righteous. 
He's righteous because God has made a room. He's given them a covenant, an old obligation, which if you did it, they had this set of rules. And then you can go and offer and you can feel so freely in front of God. That was under an old covenant. And I want to tell you, it's got nothing. When, when Jesus came and he, he paid with his blood, he eradicated sin. He dealt with sin once and for all, the Bible says. Am I right? Am I, do we have anyone that agrees with me? So he's made it null and void by eradicating every sin that stood against you. Anything that had an opinion about you, when it comes in front of God, it needs to fall to the ground because it's been judged on Jesus. So now we don't need to be sin aware. So then we say, but Matthias, if we continue on this, maybe you're going to give people a license to sin. No, people were sinning before I started preaching. I told you on Friday night, people were sinning. The only difference between me and them is that I, my sin has been eradicated. And that makes me so aware and makes me so passionate to come close. Now, listen here. Yeah. Okay, we, we finish with the offering. Are we fine? Don't care for the geld. Amen. Okay, if you feel like giving afterwards, don't come and give to me. I, uh, guys, please, I don't, I don't need money. Uh, we always have people that wants to come and bless us. I really w just want people to buy into the ministry. That's at the end of the day. I want to see the, the ministry prosper. Okay? So listen here. Yeah. I, I made a few statements here. It was the kindness of God. Who's, who of you had an experience of God's kindness? I mean, so the, it's the kindness in everyone's situation. It should have been the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The fact that he was kind to you when you least deserved it. And I want to tell you, he makes a statement. Some of us think we, no, we don't need it that much. Little you have sinned, little you've been forgiven, and little you have loved. Much you have sinned, much you have been forgiven, and much you love. So it's on the basis of how you come to Him. Now listen here, I believe that kindness has all to do with identity. If you can see God's kindness, how He's made room and a plan to deal with certain things in your life, you will, you will get a measure of identity. Because it's only the Father. Jesus, I told you guys last week, that Jesus' main purpose was not to come and deal with sin. It was not last week, the week before. His main, if I had to ask this morning, why did Jesus come and die? Why did Jesus come to earth? People will tell you to come and deal with sin. I don't believe it's true. He had to come and deal with sin because that was needed. But the word makes it clear that Jesus came because he had to reveal the Father. His heart was to do the will of the Father. His main focus was not, how am I going to deal with sin? It was how I was going to reveal the Father. It's a, different, a difference in the way and the way that we look through the lens. Because if you still look at God through a religious lens, you will struggle to see His kindness. And you will always struggle in the area of your identity. It's only after I experienced God's kindness and I felt a, a measure of His identity where I started with the theme, beloved identity. Today, I feel beloved. I want to tell you, my, my, my little daughter this morning, she was dancing. Who saw her? She was the cheerleader in church, and she was like jumping up and down and doing everything. But man, I'm so, that's my little baby girl. And you know what? In a certain sense, uh, let's, uh, you can maybe just show that first picture of, of a. Um, that was her two years ago. She drowned in my pool. And yesterday, exactly two years ago, she was dead. She, when we got there, she was dead for most probably a half an hour to an hour in our pool. 
She was black. She was dead. There was no hope. I was, I was not shouting to God. I was, I was appealing to his kindness. Saying, Dad, I need you. I remember how they came and we got and we started praying over her and we pressed out the water. We did everything we did, but we didn't know how to get her alive. And when once you get into a situation which is impossible and you have to lean back on the kindness of God, it's where you realize, you say, Lord, it's only you. And we saw this little baby girl of us. And I can tell you, she was so broken. And it took them four or five hours to keep her alive. And um, once she got alive, we knew that she had brain damage. I mean, you could see there's nothing wrong with her. Everything was turned in and we, we, we will ever, ever be thankful for what is done. Let's give the Lord just a hand. So today I'm going to have time with my leadership and I want to have communion with my, with my leadership as we, as we go. Why? Because for me it's a sacrifice of praise. It's to come and say, Lord, you've been kind to me. In the times that I didn't even feel or know that you could be kind, you were kind to me. Um, so like I said, said to you earlier this morning, I never have to coach myself to be faithful towards my wife. Because I'm so into her. I can swear in my throat. And my heart is so burning for her that there's no room for me to look at other women. So we'll have men camp trying to tell people you need to be accountable, you need to do this, and that's good principles. But if you are sold out on the gospel, when I got saved, no one need to taught me anything. I was so convinced of God's presence and His love that nothing could convince me that I was not saved. Nothing could convince me that He was not into me. Until I sinned and I started to feel self-aware again. But before I got self-aware, I, I was so aware of how much he was into me. And then I thought he's like us. That he stops, being, he stops pursuing us. I want to tell you the main thing you need to do is, if you've got a porn problem, don't focus on how you're going to leave the, pro, the, the, the Start falling in love with your wife again. Work weer op jou liefde vir jou vrou. Focus weer op die een wat jou hart geconsume het. You know the one thing that God addresses, a man of two minds is unstable in all his ways. A divided heart. God doesn't like a divided heart. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. I've not started the sermon. This is just all preparation. A divided heart. And when I understood that my heart could be only for one thing, I'm all in. I can tell you, if you, if you have to go to Bronkospreit and you ask some of my people, if they come with a business proposal, I'm all in. I don't Get in 25%. All my geld is in. So when I lose, I lose. I says, I is that stupid over the roulette. Stel sit and say, alles op rooi. I get alles op die bloed gesit. Okay? I remember going, I was about to go bankrupt. And the Lord said to me, he's not going to slay, slay my Isaac. It was, and we had this house, John, you'll remember, 2008. Okay? And I was driving with one of my friends to the auction where they're going to sell my house now on an auction. And they sold it for less than a million bucks, and I won't even tell you what we paid for it. And as I was on my way there, my friend asked me, so what's your plan B? And I was like, flabbergasted, plan B. I didn't think about a plan B. Because in my mind, there's no plan B. If I get, when, we, when I was stupid and still fighting in bars, and we were going to go into a fight, there was no plan B. We were going to go into the fight. We were either going to lie on the ground and bleed, or we're going 
We're going to run these guys over. I don't have a plan B. The gospel is a plan A gospel. There's no other means. And God does not want our hearts to be any, in any way divided. Because when you're divided, you will always have this hybrid mentality that I'm 50% righteous and 50% sinful. I'm 90% righteous and 10% sinful. You're still a hybrid. You're either 100% righteous or you're not. If you have 1% or a comma of a percent of unrighteousness, I want to tell you, you can't be unrighteous. If you've got Jesus in your life, God only sees the blood of Jesus. That's my father. And I want to give him a hand for that. Let's just give him a hand. Okay, so this morning I've got a theologian. I didn't bargain on him sitting here. So when I did my preparation, I was not so, so here's it coming, John, get ready for this one. One of the things that they teach us is John Calvin. So we come out of a Calvinistic background. As you in Calvinistic Okay? And the first thing they'll teach you is the tulip, which is, the, what's the first one? It's total depravity, which means you were born into sin. With a sinful? I want to tell you it's a lie. My daughter was not, was she, is she guilty of a parent's sin? No. Yes, by blood, by default, but that's why Jesus came. I mean, how fair is it, and how fair is this God who's going to judge that baby because her parents had sin? So the fact that the cross came, that's why I don't believe in the Old Testament, in the shadow books, it might have been true. But not in the New Testament, because you are blessed for a thousand generations. Zij is nog so onskuldig, sy het geen bedrog in haar nie. She doesn't want to kill anyone in this room, even if you make her angry. Sê, miskien moet die Lego blokkie gooi. But I, we've been taught total depravity. You were born into sin and you've got this sinful nature. And ever since we've got this sinful idea that we, we fall short and we won't make it. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing away with that. I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, no. I can't go with that. I can't believe that I'm born in sin and kept in sin and I'm going to live with this sinful nature and I can't deal with it. I need the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. To be, my, to be my compass in this season. And I want to teach and preach on God's love that was so radical that He saved us. And He paid the whole price. And He made, gave us no excuse to fall back or to slide back and to stay away. Weet jy hoe verkeerd ek al gehoor het? Mense sê vir my hulle backslide. Hoe? Nee, jy het net gaan wegkryp soos Evan die tuin. God knew exactly where they were. And He was still calling for them. Yet we think we can hide from God and His goodness and His kindness. I want to say to you, no, I'm not born into sin. I didn't have to tell anyone to sin. I didn't teach people how to sin. I'm not teaching people and giving people a reason to sin. I'm just telling you that people have been sinning before they come to church. There were people fighting on their way to church this morning. And if you think that that's going to keep you away from God's goodness, you're missing the whole idea. Of God's goodness and His kindness. Hallelujah. So um, that was just leading into the idea that I sat this, this, this evening at 2 o'clock and, and I was meditating on this idea of King David. In, if the blood of goats made him felt so aware of God. Guys, how can we have this New Testament and we're not aware? So let's get into my sermon. I've, I've titled my ser sermon... 
the grave walkers, and um, it's not nothing to do with the walking dead. Let's get into Mark 5 verse 1. Who's watched the walking dead? You don't raise your hands when the preacher asks stuff like that. One day I was preaching at a, I had by a work school gepreek, and I asked for like, how many people have you been pregnant? And she said, daughter is there, so a group, and she said, two! And she said, meneer, that's your problem. Oh, no, that's your problem. As they arrived at the other side of the lake, at the region of the, uh, whatever, thank you, Lord, for the name changes, as Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. A demon-possessed madman. Who has ever seen a demon-possessed madman? Okay, so, Oaks, this is a serious thing. The interesting thing for me was when I worked through the Gospels, I want to tell you the whole thing about the Gospel. What does the word Gospel mean? It's good news. The whole idea of good news, and I, I really believe only after the crucifixion of Jesus, it's in any case the New Testament, because the New Testament only kicks in after death. Okay, so you had an old covenant versus a New Testament, which I believe is, is, is the, the epic of God's goodness. When the ripeite van tijd gekom het, God sent forth his son, who came and he died in our place. Now this Jesus was sold out to have encounters with people that was just crazy. And the Bible says, as Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard. And you know what, it, what the Lord said to me? He said to me, the church is living in a graveyard. We are living in this area, in this place, and living. I remember being 12, 13, 14. I, when I got my car on 17, I drove down to, 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 to Middleburg, where my father and my, my, my grandparents were buried. And I was sitting there with a bottle of Jack Daniels, drinking it clean against my grandfather's tombstone because I couldn't find my dad's. And I was crying and I was angry at God because how could he allow all this pain in my heart to happen? And I was being, if I read this story, I see a story, this demon-possessed madman. I was looking for a confrontation and getting no answers from the grave. And there I yearned and I was calling out and no one ever, no church member has ever came up to me. And said to you, do you know how much Jesus loved you? I remember being a 12, 13, 14 year old boy, having tattoos, being called a Satanist, because the church was too scared to let their children play with me, because maybe I will make them bad. So I tell my children, play with the bad children, with the naughty guys. Teach them about God's goodness. And you take the lead, and I'll keep them accountable according to the righteousness of God in their lives. But you know what we've taught people? That's the shadow book teaching. The New Testament makes it clear that when you touch something that is pure, when, when darkness comes in touch with, with light, things need to change. Amen? Yes, Angelus, baie vanochtend is of a katholiek of a kerk. something is wrong here. Okay, but listen here, so he came out of the graveyard and he confronted him. And I want to say to you, unless you come to the place where, you, where your encounters and your dwelling place comes to the point where you confront Jesus, there's certain things in your life you'll never deal with. You'll be walking between those tombstones and you'll be crying out and shouting and being angry because of the things that went wrong and the things that didn't go right and the church people that let you down and all those things that never worked out. And the man had been living there amongst the tombs 
of the dead. Now I want to ask you, how many of you are living at a dead place? How many of you are living in this graveyard? You, when I got my first tattoo, it, I got this skull on my back, this joker skull, and I got it because I watched The Lion King. I'm serious. And when Simba comes out of the elephant graveyard, my parents just, my, 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 my grandfather went to go and fetch my father. He had cancer from the hospital. And um, they were in a car accident. And my, my grandfather passed away immediately. I was, I was onmiddellijk dood. My grand, grandmother died three days later. My father seven weeks later. And I came out and the Lion King was released. And I remember sitting and watching the Lion King. Who remembers the Lion King when it just came out? driving. We were sitting there on the outside and I was weeping because I could relate with young Simba who's just lost his father. And what moved my heart was when this young Simba was going into the elephant graveyard with Nala. And he said to, to, to her, I laugh at the face of danger. And I said to myself, I laugh at death. And I became this crazy young boy that was arrogant and I wanted, to, I wanted to tease death. I wasn't scared of getting hurt because I was so broken inside that nothing that you could do to my flesh could hurt me anymore. So I was looking for a reason that people would expel me and, and excuse me for, from the meetings because it hurts less when people pardon me than what they accept when I just got another per, uh, person that allows me to get hurt. Who knows what I'm talking about this morning? I tell you, I was on this run. And then a man, okay, listen here. The man had been living there amongst the tombs of the dead. And no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. I want to show you this, this, this picture this morning. Is I want to ask you, who has spent time in a graveyard before? Who has gotten any answers there? I mean, if I were the, the other day, myself and my wife, we were in Pelgrimsres, okay, so, and we went to one of the oldest uh, graveyards in our country, and there is the story about all the, 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 you've got all these nice graves, and you see all these young children that died because of malaria and stuff like that, but then this is this one grave, which was, they call it the robber's grave, because it, it was sitting in the wrong direction, so the old people believed that you had to bury him, and he would look to the west, so his head would lie on the eastern side, and he'll look to the west, because you'll never see the son of man coming in, you'll just see him go, okay, that's what they believed, okay, so in a sense, if you get buried in that scene, in, the, in that way, and I thought to myself, Lord, what happened to the robbers on the cross? I don't care if people bury you west and looking east or west or what direction ever. If you have an encounter with Jesus, I don't care what people say about you. I don't care how they bury you. This, is, this thing does not determine what God is going to do. And listen here. This boy was, was walking between these tombstones and nothing could bound him. There's absolutely nothing. Just go to the next slide, the one just after it. Yes. He had these chains on him. And nothing could bound him. I want to ask you, is there anything that can bound you? The Bible says you, you, you don't break into a strong man's house. Amen? If you can't bound him, you don't break into it. And I want to tell you, there's no room in this house. 
I'm not scared of any demon, any devil. And I want to tell, speak especially now to the Africans because in our African tradition, we believe that there's some, some gormas and they'll plant bones and stuff like that. Only if you give it room in your mind. There's nothing. I want to tell you, you can only dolose. You can take every dolos in the whole of South Africa and come and plant it in my tain. Squeer compost. Okay? It's going to do nothing. It's got nothing on me because I believe in the blood that speaks louder than any other thing. I believe that the word of Jesus is the truth. Listen here. For every time anyone attempted to chain his hands and his feet with shekels. Now I want to say to you, the people that were trying to chain him was the church people. It was the religious people. And I want to ask you, how many times have you allowed people to chain you? And it's not because they want to take you out of your circumstances. It's not because these people had an art to get this guy liberated. They just wanted to bound him. You know what my problem is with churches? We all have these people coming in and they're broken. We want to put chains on their hands. Put chains on their feet. So we want to stop them of feeling liberated. Why? Because if they feel liberated, they will go to the Father. When Jesus came, he said, no, no, no. If you have seen me, you have seen my Father. Take the liberty, come close. And now he's coming to this very guy to have an encounter with this guy, which the church only tried to bound because they're coming with the rules and the regulations. Instead of teaching them about the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, how much Jesus has loved them. Oh, he loved them. Oh, he loved them. Amen. And he would snap the chains and break the shekels in pieces. Now I want to tell you that we will not win this world over. With religious things. We will not win this world over by singing hymns and songs in the churches if we're not willing to go out. The chains that we want to put on people's hands and feet by telling them this is the way that uh, I, you can't change people's behavior. You can just teach them who God is and their behavior will change by itself. Amen. You know what I do at Ark with the boys? I love them. And when they come there, I tell them I love them. And I tell them, you don't need to believe me. I've got one rule. You don't need to like me, but you will respect me. And from time to time, we do have a tiff there, and they will, they will tell you. But it's not because that's the way we go to at first. It's the goodness and the kindness and the love of God that leads people into His presence. And if you put restrictions on people in telling them, come to church, but you're coming to church without your bag of cocaine or without your cat, I want to tell you, I don't want to put any restrictions on people. I just want to be inviting on, on Friday night. We were sitting there and we were not getting drunk. We were not being part of the world, but we were in the world representing the King of Kings. And she went, Elsa May went, and she sat, sat with an, a colored girl who comes out of the gangs. And she was loving her, just loving this girl. And telling and she said, you know what, I want to walk a road with Jesus. Am I right? You know what, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. My main function, my main function was to fellowship and to shepherd my congregation. And to meet up. You know what's the main need out there? is not for us to go and tell people how to behave and what to do. And now you need to raise your hand at a certain time when we, we're in, at this point in worship. It is st it's, it's the place to reveal the Father. If you truly have a, a true revelation of Jesus, you will see the Father so clearly.
Know how much God did in the Old Testament to try and restore. He gave them every reason. He even gave them a set of rules and said, listen here, if you could do it, here's the way. And then at the end of the day, he even allowed for them. He knew everyone was going to miss the mark. So he still sent Jesus down to Hades to go and preach to those who were lost. What a magnificent, extraordinary God we serve. He would not allow the chains of death to keep people in. So he was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him until he met Jesus. I want to tell you, there's certain guys I don't want to try to subdue. Day and night, he could be found lurking in the cemetery or, or in the vicinity, shrinking and mangling himself with stones. So this guy is walking in this dead place. Continually going back to these graves, walking between these graves. And I believe when I read this story, this is my story. I was between the graves. You know what he's doing? He's hurting himself. Because, oh man, it feels better when we hurt ourselves. Now many people sit in church and they're hurting themselves. You might not be cutting yourselves. Who was a cutter in their days? I remember one day I walked into a, into a situation at my house. I'm not going to expose my family members. And I saw something which was so inappropriate that when I went to my room, I was so hurtful that I cut myself to feel better inside. And you know what? You just realize that no drugs can take away the hurt. No alcohol take away the hurt. No sex. I thought sex is going to heal that because I've got this broken idea of what love was. So I thought maybe sex will take away this void. It did not even do that. It just made me more perverse. It made me long and yearn deeper. And it left me with more answers, than, more questions than answers. I had to go back to the drawing board and say, Jesus. And only when I had an encounter with the kindness of God, all of these things felt away. Everything. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him. Screaming out at the top of his lungs. Leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. Swearing God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, come out of the man, you demon spirit. So, you know what's the interesting thing? Everyone, um, everyone wants to get healed. Am I right? Who enjoys sickness? I never introduced it to Hila this morning. Please just call her quickly. I just wanted to introduce her. Sorry. No one, no one wants to be sick, am I right? Who of you would like to have your periods for 12 years? Or your wife to have a period for 12 years? Is there anyone that would like that? Of course not. That's not the heart of the Father. That's not how we are made to function. And when we do come to that point and place, um, sorry, just quickly, just come in. This is my sister-in-law. And let's just give her a hand. She's working with our children. And guys, she really needs help from time to time. So if you guys want to be available from time to time, please come and take, pick up her hands. And she sacrificed her time so that we can be able to do this. Amen. So let's just give another hand. We really love you and thank you. You're doing a great job. Amen. Thank you, Sissy. Listen, yeah. 
So this guy saw Jesus from a distance and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And I want to tell you, people will throw themselves at the mercy of the church if the church learns to be kind. If the church learns not to only put shackles on people and only want to restrict them and tell them not what to do. And I want to say to you, sometimes you need to coach people out of things, but there's nothing wrong. What I tell people is tend to focus on the positive things. Because I can tell you, give you all these sets of rules. And Peter make a statement in, in, in um, Acts 15. He says, why will we put any religious obligations on anyone which not us or our fathers could do? Many people can't even keep just the basic Ten Commandments. What about the 613 others? It's impossible. Amen? And I thought to myself, this guy comes and he screams on the top of his lungs. Leave, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. And then he says, swear that you will not tor torment us. What an Old Testament idea. Why? Because every time they had an encounter, now they realize this is Jesus. It's the strong man. Amen. This is the one that can bound them. And guess what, they, what, 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 what he's expecting? He's expecting the same treatment that he's gotten up until this far. But this time he's going to be bound. And this time he's going to be, be sit. And this time, no, he's not going to get loosened. This time he's going to be taught. And I want to tell you that people don't want to come to church and just hear how far they missed the mark. They want to hear how great this Jesus was. Let's look, continue. And Jesus said to him, what is your name? And he called himself a mob or a legion. Now, I, I got corrected by John once. He said a legion is 6,000. Am I right? 6,000 troops. Six thousand. Okay. Now, if you read the commentary, they'll say that um, up to three thousand pigs was in this scenario. And he answered, and they called him mob. And there are, are thousands of us in his body. And he begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. Isn't that an interesting statement? So all these demons is asking, please don't send us out of this region. They don't have a problem of leaving the person. They're happy to go even into the peaks, but they don't want to go out of the region. I want to tell you, if you come to Bronkospreit, Bronkospreit het van die harde gadste mense op die wereld. Okay? They loop kalfoot, they walk barefoot in, in town, and it's, they are stiff-necked people. Rechte boerenvolk. Okay? Love my people in Bronkospreit. It's a hard place, it's a tough place, I'm alright, you guys come from there. Yesterday I was at an auction, and the one worm there, he's like 70. Now he's picking a fight with a guy that's 35. And he's definitely going to lose the fight. But he's from Broncos Pride. Okay? So I'm like, yes, like you, come on, relax. All awesome, three keer. And now you're two keer in. He begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. And I want to tell you that we've got certain things that we're dealing around this region. Coming into Main and Main this morning, I saw all these bicycles driving into the direction of Bronkospreit. It was just interesting. When I got to Bronkospreit, I got the first people that was there. And all the way as I drove and I picked up the guys at Ark, we had these cyclists um, on, on their bicycles driving in, in the direction of Bronkospreit. And I thought to myself, man, uh, this is crazy. It doesn't make sense for me. But in any case, um, 
what a great experience. But coming into this area, we've got a casino close by. We've got a club right on, on top of us. Uh, where, where I, I want to tell you, these guys are boozing seriously. When you go, go to the toilet, man, you, you'll see some, some of these guys are like Skita Kada or so. Um, it's serious business up here. And on a Friday night, these guys are going because it's quite cheap to drink here as well. And I thought to myself at first, I was, this is exactly, if you had to go and look for Jesus at any place, I think Jesus would have been there. Not because he was participating, because the Father is drawn to that. And I want to say to you, when Zacchaeus got into the tree, now he was fraudulent and he was taxing people beyond the place where they could pay. But when he had this encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden things changed in his life. I want to say to you, your presence does matter. And we need to be present, not with a stomach your knees in your and think you are better than people. You need to be present by being the solution, by loving people into wholeness. If there's ever a time and a reason for the church to get involved, it's now. If there's ever a reason for you to go to a restaurant and pay for another family, I want to tell you, some of you say, Matthias, I don't know anything, but you are being married for 15 years. At least teach people what you know. Take someone for a lunch or a dinner, pay for their bill, and tell them about God's goodness. Work with them. You know what's one of the things I, my my vrou, my vrou doen glad, ons doen nie die, die maaikie vir a praaikie ding nie. Because if I, if I sit with you, I'm going to keep you accountable to stay in your marriage. I want to see marriages succeed. It's the season of succeeding. And I'll tell men, it's time to step up. And I'll tell women, be godly. And it's a time for us to say, Lord, in this generation, I'm going to be married to that same girl when I'm 80 and 90. And I can nog steeds lis wees net vooruit, Jerry. Amen? And there's nothing wrong with it. I said the other day, I said to, to someone, I said, I, I made love to my wife the other evening. I'm not going to not have it tonight. Sometimes we need to hear things over and over and over again. Some of the best things is a repeated thing in our life. Who can agree with me? Wie is dankbaar vir die bordkos wat jou mafia gemaakt het in 1962? Okay. okay. Who would just enjoy that plate today? Yeah. Good things never grows old. So we can be good. So the other day I said to my wife, you could be right and you could be 100% right and still be wrong. Who's ever done that one? Jesus was 100% right, but he was still wrong. When the Pharisees came, they found fault with Jesus. And we think that they're going to approve of us. If you think that the church is going to love you because you are going to church and everyone's going to treat you nice, realize that you're not ice cream. Okay? You're not that likable. So people will always find a problem with people. You know what Jesus did? He said, never taught people to judge what was right. Because people's thinking of what is right differs. He always said, test it by it, by the fruit. So Jesus taught us to judge fruit and not to go into a legalistic system and applying rules on people. Jesus never went to, this, to the woman that was caught in the, the act of adultery and stated the obvious. And when anyone could have judged and thrown a stone, it was Jesus and he did not do it. 
So do you know what the church needs to do? We need to commend people for fruit. And sometimes having that size apple is also great. Who was a young Christian? Is there anyone? I remember back in the days, I was feeling great because I, when I, 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 I joined Bible college, John was not even there yet. I beat the guy from Neville's office down the stairs and I took him to the pool in front of the church. Back in those days, I don't know if there was still that fountain in front. Now I'm busy drowning the guy. And Neville and Um Vessel came and they stopped me. And I was proud of the fact that I did not kill him. <laughs> I was feeling great because I had this fruit. And some people looked at me and they said, this guy will never make it. How in heavens will this guy ever get right? I remember one day I was late for Bible college. This is my first year. And I drove in and I said, Lord, I'm late. So now I'm skipping the worship. I was always late. Okay. And now I've missed the whole worship session. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I didn't even have breakfast because I really tried to be in time. And when I, I asked and I prayed, I did a, a child, a, a kinderlijke gebed. And I said, Yere, Lord, I really trust that someone will buy me breakfast. Because when you're a student, John will confirm you don't have money. And I was like, Lord, I really trust you for a breakfast. And as I walked up the stairs, close to Neville's office, there was this, this trolley standing there. And there was this steaming breakfast with bacon and eggs and bread. And I believed in a childish way that this was the Lord's answer. It's like the ram of Abraham. <laughs> and I started munching away on this breakfast. I'm like, Jesus, you're so faithful. I can't believe it's the first time I've asked you and you're faithful and true. No one will ever question your goodness. And I started eating this breakfast. And as I came to the second last bite, the dean of the college walked in off a frost. And he said, listen here, did, did, did you see my breakfast? I'm like, breakfast? I'm like, come on, dude. I was praying, I promise you. And then he wanted to expel me. And I said to him, the Bible says it's not stealing because he said I stole his breakfast. I said, no, no, the, I just started reading the Bible and I read the scripture which says it's not stealing when you're hungry. Am I right? <laughs> the Lord saved me on that one. Okay, let's give the Lord a hand, man. I was just like. The basis on what the church should judge on is the basis of love. The, the essence is love. And I want to say to you, if you walk out here and you feel loved, then we've done what we should have done. If you walk out here and you feel that you want to reconnect with the one that's next to you, it means we have a... Comp that's why the church, the gathering of the saints is there to equip people and tell them and show them how much the Father has loved. It's not, this is not the place, the main outflow of miracles is not supposed to happen in buildings. It's supposed to happen in the street. And it's an outflow because of what's happening here. We feel so loved. So when we get together, we know that we serve a God that heals. So the sick comes to the front. I never come to the front for prayer. I tell people, don't come to the front for prayer. Because prayer means you are putting in a request. Come to the front for healing. There's a big difference. The woman with the issue of blood was coming for healing. She was not coming and inquiring if she was going to get a prayer and if Jesus was going to do a prayer for her. The change needs to happen in your heart because God looks at your heart and He measures your heart and He answers your heart. And the main thing that I want to, if I could teach the, the, the church anything, it is to have this beloved identity. But why? Jesus, do you want to do? Yes, I want to. Then He get to blind Bartholomew. Do you want to pray for me? Yes, I want to. 
He got to the man who was lame. Would you pray for me? Yes, I want to. I never saw Jesus telling anyone to go away because of the bigness of their sickness. Because he would not. The only time that Jesus rebuked the sinners was because of their little faith. I've never seen Jesus rebuke someone with too much faith. And then we come and we say, Lord, if I'm reckless, maybe, maybe you will bless that. And sometimes he does. I want to tell you, there were times where I was reckless and I was calling it faith. Who knows what I'm talking about? So I would go and overbond myself. I would buy five properties at one stage. And then I would call it faith. I was very lucky, fortunate at that day. The, the Lord just came through, and everything. And back in those days, the Lord blessed us. He allowed it to happen. But then there was a time where He wanted to teach me something of relying and thinking things through. So He would do something different in my character, and I would not understand it because I would think that God is always the same. You know that the angels look at God, and every few seconds when they look up, they say, they say, holy, holy, holy. And they will praise him for, for something that they've never seen he is. And we think we've got God figured out in church. I want to tell you, I'm still a scholar and I don't have an idea or a clue. I'm scratching the surface and I can't even comprehend. The Lord said to me, over-exaggerate of my love. And I can tell you, I've been trying this whole year. And I could not over-exaggerate anything that I've said about his goodness. He's so, so faithful and so, so into us. So the one thing that the Lord said to me in the beginning of the year, He says, love has everything to do with identity. Who feels loved by God? It's an identity thing. I want to tell you, the daughter of mine from the she would have not felt that much liberty. But the fact that I, I leave her to worship, Gives her a certain sense of security and a liberty. And it's, if you want to be right, it's always out of the place of works. Now I've got people that wants to be politically accurate. And they've got the right answers and they can even quote the scriptures. The demons knows the scriptures and they said it. And I want to say to you, if you go to people and you're only Bible bunch, bunching them, Telling them how far they have fallen short and you're quoting verses out of context to hurt them instead of pulling them closer to God by using the scripture and enforcing, for enforcing righteousness on their hearts. You're missing the whole reason why God has left you behind. You're missing what God wants to do with you in this season. You know what? I had this thing with the women of the issue of blood. And you know how I see her? I see that if you think of blood, the Bible says the life is in the, in the blood. And I thought to myself, looking at this woman, she's a, she symbolizes the church, and the church is lifeless. Because it has this issue of blood. We do not understand the blood of Jesus in any sense. We can't comprehend what his blood has done. And when she, this morning at 2 o'clock, now this is the weird encounters that I do have. I was thinking about, I'm not sure, I was thinking about the prophet, if it's now Isaiah or Ezekiel, maybe I'll help me right, who was looking at, 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 at the temple and he was seeing the robe of the Lord. Isaiah, am I right? Okay. And he was saying that the, the robe of the Lord filled the whole temple. And I was thinking to myself, why would the prophet look at the Lord's robe? 
think of Joseph. When Joseph, they say that the robe that Joseph had on was a robe of many colors. Do you know that they say that if you read it, I read a commentary on that in the mirror translation, where the, the commentator says that it was a material that came from Egypt. Sometimes God knows where he's sending you. And they say that when that material came into the sun, it reflected different colors. It was a very expensive material. So in a sense, I've always thought of it, it was Roy Geel, it was Revi Getleer, the Tleerkie, soos haar oma was trye wat, wie wie sy oma's het veel ook trye gehekel, toe hulle tleim was. Ek het so blommiekie in, en gaan, ek moet sê, heren, oma, ek reed een rechtig skam vir hierdie in. My light is tot vandag, the Aiden's got, his great, great grandmother still makes him socks. He likes to sleep with them in the winter. So Nicole sê, sy doen, weet nie wat nie, maar dan maak sy van my raai oulike stoukies. Dis flippin lekker. Hulle die selfde oma, hierdie oudens. Ok. Ek hoop jy praat van die skoene nie jou oma nie. Ok. And when you look at Joseph with this robe of many colors, as he went into the sunlight, sometimes, who knows, a rainbow only comes under different circumstances, difficult circumstances. When there's rain and sun together, it reflects in a certain way that it gives you these these the, this rainbow colors, and sometimes there's no aqua cabal. Bali police, sorry, Ella. I, I, my, my real worship leader, not my real, the, the original worship leader who should have led the worship, they were they were going up the whole evening, puking the whole evening, and Wilhelmine came and saved me this morning, so that it was crazy. So, I believe. That, um, that, that Joseph had this robe of many colors, this expensive robe which came from his father because he felt loved. And it expressively shows me the father's love. Now when this woman came to Jesus, she touched the fringe of his garment and she got healed. Okay? Now, um, when, I, when I think of Isaiah at 2 o'clock this morning, I was thinking, I thought to myself, Lord, if anything, it must be a shadow book. Because I tell you that he was not describing God's facial features. Even the prophet Isaiah, who had such a great view, 750, 30, 50 years before Jesus, had this exactly how Jesus was going to be crucified. He had this whole thing laid out. But he never had this encounter with the Father where he was explaining the Father. He was explaining the needed crucifixion. So the shadow books teaches us about the garment. And it teaches us of, of how we look from it and how we need to get and how we get approved. But I want to tell you there's something when you look into the person and the character of Jesus which draws us. And that is what I saw all the more. I'm going to read just, um, uh, I called my, my sermon this morning, The Tomb Walkers. In Luke 24 verse 5 it says, And they were frightening, frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? And church, I want to ask you, why are we seeking the living amongst the dead? Remember when these women went to Jesus' grave, they found these angels there. And in, in two weeks time, next week Sunday is Palm Sunday. And I'm going to pray on lambs, I'm going to preach on Lamb Selection Day, on how the Lamb of God was chosen. But for now, these women, as they went to Jesus' grave, they will ask a question. 
Why are you seeking the living in the graveyard? Why are you seeking the one who is raised? Didn't you hear the prophetic word? Weren't you stirred in your heart by what you believed? And I want to tell you, by 13, the Jews need to know the Torah. So they knew exactly what was going to happen. They knew when Elisha was following Elijah to his grave or to the place where he was going to be taken up into heaven. All the rest of the prophets knew exactly what was going to happen with Elijah. But none of them followed. And so the church knows exactly what God wants to do, but the church is not following. We are not doing what Jesus is telling us to do. Because we feel uncertain about what, wants, what, what God wants to do. And so we seek the living amongst the dead. And many of us go back to this religious set of rules that needs to teach us and show us how much we fall short. So that we can feel that now we stand in a better standing with God. Instead of being relational with the Holy Spirit and coming close and say, Oh Daddy, oh Lord how you love me. I believe that we need to draw close to the Father. But listen here, a few verses on in verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now I want to say to you, when we get these news about Jesus, where do we run to? Are we running back to the gravesite? Are we running back to go and try and say, Lord, can we do this? Are we running back to, 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 to the set of rules that needs to show us? Are we trying to get closer to God by, by what we have done? Lord, how will you approve of me? Lord, how will, how will you help me in this season? And I want to say to you that I really believe with my whole heart. That God is calling in, into this season, men and women who would say, Lord Jesus, I want to step up. I want to step up in knowing you and knowing your heart. I want to experience your goodness and your kindness that has led us to repentance. So one of the scriptures that the Lord gave me was in Isaiah 60, which became... The whole thing which I fix my walk with the Lord. I've got a tattooed on top of my arm. It's part of my 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 skeppings My do like that? My creational purpose. And Isaiah 60 was my story of coming and rising from the tomb. It was the story where I made the Never always told me, he said, Matthias, you need to make a discovery so that you can make a recovery. And I discovered at this point of view how much he loved me. And listen how it reads. I'm going to read it for you out of the Amplified. It says, arise from your spiritual depression to the new life. Now I want to say to you, unless the church arise in this season, we're going to see a falling away. Of a multitude of people that's going to go to hell because you are so afraid of being who God has called you to be. Because you are not stepping on. And I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, this generation does not need a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonke. It needs the body, when the whole body joined together working as one. In the past, you had singular men like the Old Testament prophets being available saying, Lord, Jeremiah, use me. 
And then the next moment, that very prophet became aware in Isaiah 6. And he said, but I am of unclean lips and you can't use me. Why? Because it was a shadow book teaching of people becoming aware of religious obligations instead of going to the Father and knowing how much He loves me. Listen here. And it gives an uh, uh, command. It says, shine, be radiant with glory and brilliance of the Lord. For your light has come. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's what, it, what the ESV reads. Arise, shine. Now in the ear Amplified it says, Arise out of your morbidness and depression from which circumstances have kept you. You know what it's telling you? It says, Stop having an excuse for not standing up. Stop having an excuse for not praying and not getting up and saying, Lord, here am I. No, Lord, on Friday night I misbehave myself. So now that Babala's God, the whole next week, I'm under a condemnation until I get back to that point where I feel the liberty that God has forgiven me. So I remember coming into church and I gave my heart 20, 30, 50, 100 times to the Lord every Sunday repenting, trying to get approved because I never measured up. Until I got to the point where I fell in love with the one who is, was and will be and he started convincing me of what I am, beloved identity who could not be taken away from me. And like a son who knows that his dad is his dad. I want to tell you, if you bring my boys, I'm not the biggest guy this morning in the room, but I want to tell you they feel safe with me. And even if you have to come and stand in front of me, they'll be feel safe with me because they have their trust in their dad. There's certain things I don't waver in a fight. I don't waver because situations get tough. And I always tell the guys around me, I say, I don't change because of circumstances. The guys at Ark always seek a reason to run away. Especially when things get intimate. You know how many people run away from marriages? Because things get intimate. And I would rather mess it up there than walk the journey and get my heart broken. So we'll get an excuse and walk away every time. Now many people walk away, they've disappointed their children and they feel guilty. And they'll keep on doing it because maybe it's just better to disappoint than to give myself that chance to stand up and to do it differently. Listen here. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord, His brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. For in fact, darkness will cover the earth and a deep darkness will cover the peoples. In the shadow book, I want to tell you this is a shadow book. It gives a prophetic word. It says in the last days, things will be dark. You can go and read 2, 2 Timothy 3. And it says in the last days, people will be lovers, hated, of disobedient to parents, hatreds, to, to, to any good works, not doing anything. I, I don't get the, the whole scripture quoted right, but the, it says that in the last days, people are going to be bad. You know what he's doing in here? He's speaking and he says, a thick darkness is going to cover the earth. Now I want to tell you, there's never been so much darkness. But I hate it when the church preached darkness. Because the Bible says in, in John 1 verse 5, that the light came into the earth and the darkness could not overwhelm it. And the gospel that came in through us, whenever you penetrate a family which is in such distress... God is saying, you know what? You're the hope. You're the one. You're, you're the Joshua of your family. You're the Joseph about to, to, to take um, your family into Egypt. God has made provision. Many of you have been thrown out and been rejected and despised.
And we think it must be differently because we are Christians. I want to tell you it's all about the call and the walk and the anointing upon your life. Anything God allowed in your life was there to coach you into godliness in knowing the goodness and the kindness of the Father. He wanted to leave you with a testimony. Matthias, I got divorced. Let this one work. Stand up in dignity. Learn from your past and walk in strength, knowing that He is for you and not against you. Matthias, I messed, messed it up here and I did this wrong and I did that wrong. I don't care what your past looks like. You can't stay in the tombstones. Listen here. But the Lord will rise upon you, O church, O Jerusalem. And His glory and His brilliance will be seen upon you. Who's ready for this revelation? Who's ready to be used by God? Guys, you know what's the, the, the whole thing? We call ourselves Acts 29. For those who did not know, there's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And it's not because we are adding a chapter. It's because we are saying that the church still continues. It's your story. Write it down. I'm not saying write Matthijs' story down. I'm saying, gebruik jou story. Gebruik yours. Use your story. Let it be known. Let it be written down. That God speaks through your life. And wherever you are, let you be an instrument for His glory and for His sake. I'm concluding with my last few scriptures. In John 11, Jesus is coming, is coming to a family which was so in distress. They had their beloved brother who just passed away, who was a very great friend of Jesus. And listen here. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. I want to say to you, you get people that walks around. They walk around. And they walk between the tombs because they are tormented inside. But there are others of us. Who knows that the Bible says, A man is geoorloof om een keer te lewe, dan te sterwe, dan die oordeel. You only die once. Amen. I've died once, never to die again. One day, the Bible says when you die, you give your life to Jesus, then you died. You died to yourself. Am I right? Am I teaching this right, John? You die for yourself. You die. And then you have your funeral when you get baptized. We, we have your funeral. We bury you. So some of you that comes out of the Inge Kerk, takes 20 years to get your funeral, but it's fine. You just all ashes by the time we have your funeral, but it's great. <laughs> no problem. It's not going to keep you out of heaven. It's not a prerequisite to get into heaven. But it's, for you, it's necessary for you to say, Lord, I'm living a life of obedience. I've died and now I'm resurrected in Christ. That's what Paul is making. And I want to tell you this morning that many of you guys can be the, the dead in the tombs, even though you are living. And here Lazarus is lying in the tomb and his family has lost all expectation. So he was already four days. It's beyond the place. The Jewish people believed that by the third day the soul would depart. So they would have these grave watchers that will sit at the graves and wait to hear maybe he's still alive. Maybe the doctor, the physician made a wrong um, uh, a call on this guy's life. And after three days they will withdraw from the true tomb then saying that this person is officially dead. Because you can only last a certain time without water. Okay? In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Do you believe this? Everyone who believes in me shall never die. I want to tell you this morning, who's scared of death? Is there anyone that's scared of death? I'm not scared of death. I told my boys, when my baby girl died, you know what they told me afterwards? They said, Daddy, we'll never be afraid of death again. My children is not afraid of death. I want to tell you, I'm not afraid of death. I teach them all the time, I will not be here forever. And when I'm not, you walk in dignity and you do that which I've trained you to do. You don't have an excuse because of circumstances. Because, because God's going to raise you and He'll be a father and He'll be your guide. That's your true north, not me. You keep your eyes on the living one. He never fades. He never passes away. And your dad loved him with his whole life. So you follow Jesus. Amen. So now Jesus is coming to this family and He says to them, I am the resurrection. Why do you want to be dead? Now you are crying about a man that's in a tomb and you're living your life. This way, Bible says, You know what? You're still sitting and you're having a funeral service of what happened in 1994 when, the, when your matric boyfriend left you. Amen? Some of you are still angry of what happened on your prom evening. And you're having fights in your marriages because you gave it all away. Let's be real. And we are sitting and we are believing certain lies of the enemy. Because the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he's a father of the lies. And he will always deceive you to believe that you are worth nothing. You are worth less. You know what Jesus is doing in this time? He's placing the highest value on saying, listen, I've called you. I've made an exchange. My life for yours. You are so valuable. The earth needs to know who you are. Because you are my direct representative. You're my ambassador. And I've given you faithful and love identity. Beloved identity is yours. Stand up, rule, reign, take dominion. That's what it was from the beginning. That's what Jesus meant it to be for Adam and Eve. You know what they did? They fell away. Because they became sin conscious. As you evil look and you are aware of what you did wrong. You know, with you, what, what I do, I just go and repent. I repent to the person and I trust my wife with everything. So when I fell into porn, instead of falling into a permanent porn situation, I went to my wife, I said, you know what? I've just missed the mark. I've got cancer. Let's walk this road together. And we prayed and we took it to the Lord in prayer. And you know what? Dealt with. It's not an issue in my life. Because I took the liberty to say, listen, can you love me even though I have flaws? Because that's how he loves me. Know what we need to do in church? We need to be honest. I want to say to you the first thing. When I sit with people, I ask them, when last did you take a fix? Near three days So I look better because I took a fix three days ago. That makes it better. They won't tell me they, they took one this morning. It's always It's just to let me make just look a little bit better when I said I used a week ago. And I think to myself, what a fool do you think I am? I can see if you had a fix. Been there, done it, got the t-shirt. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he lives. I want to say to you, the best thing you can ever do is to die. I'm not talking about your physical death. I'm talking about 
being at that place where you die in yourself, where you die for your own will, where you make a total surrender in giving yourself away, saying, Lord, I believe in you. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Jesus said in verse 39, Take away that stone, Martha. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been, there, been dead four days. I want to ask you, what odor? What are you walking around with inside of you that's been carrying an odor? You know that everything we do have an odor? Who has been to the bar and you try and convince your wife now you were watching the rugby with your friends? And you're raking some peanuts and you're raking rook in dop. Wie weet waarvan ek praat? Wie tal die baar reek op hom gehad? It's having an odor. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? This morning I want to ask you something. I'm going to ask you the question that Jesus asked Martha. If you believe, and you believe He is the Son of God, are you ready to receive what He said you can have? Are you ready to have the best version you could be? Are you ready to exchange some of your rags? I'm concluding about this. What happened? I'm back in Mark 5. And when they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there, properly clothed in his right mind. So now all of a sudden, I'm not talking this morning about the pigs. He's properly, and he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. Remember when he got there, he was not in his right mind. I want to say to you, one encounter with Jesus changed the guy which was incontrollable, uncontainable. You could not bound him. You could not keep him down. He could not stop hurting himself and brought him to the place where he's now in his right mind. He's in his right mind. And he's properly clothed. And there's some of the translations that says it was even in Jesus' robe. In the story of the good, good father. You know, one of the things that I tend to have um, when we did Bible college with John, we would have to do our own verse inscriptions. Now, John, I don't know if you ever did some of mine. I was looking like when I wrote the story of the, the prodigal son, I was, I was looking at the loving father. Because I was observing different things in scriptures. Where I believe if we read with the shadow books mentality, when I looked at this, I look at the goodness of Jesus. I want to speak about not the demon-possessed man. I want to speak about the sober man, the living man. I don't want to speak about the woman with the issue of blood. I want to speak about the woman who got healed from blood. There's a different approach that the Lord wants us to take in in this season. Seeing what had happened to the man who had thousands of demons, the people were terrified. You know how terrified the world becomes when they see that you have dealt with your demons. I want to tell you, your family most probably don't want, to, want you to succeed. And as soon as I dealt with certain things in my life, they didn't want to be around me anymore. They were terrified because all of a sudden now I'm confronting certain things in their life. Who knows what I'm talking about? And I don't break my friendships. I don't become inconsistent because of them. I'm still some of those guys' friends. They don't, they don't think so. 
I tell you, I'll still be there at 2 o'clock. The other night I had a guy phoning me. I was there, 2 o'clock. Those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Now, I'm not even going into the pigs this morning. And then they asked Jesus to leave their region. Remember what they did? The demons asked Jesus specifically, they wanted to stay in the region. And now the church people who was trying to bound this demon-possessed guy is coming to Jesus. They saw what he has done. And you know what they're doing? They're asking Jesus to leave the region. Why? Because he just got rid of their pigs in their area. And they were so afraid because if he could do this to that man, what else could he do to them? None of them could bound him. None of them could keep him intact. And now all of a sudden there's someone that is doing all of this. And I want to tell you the church is going to become very uncomfortable if we give Jesus the position that he really deserves. Because then you're going to see sickness fall from people's body. You know, people don't want to hear these stories. I want to tell you, we don't need to touch you. Jesus wants to heal you. I, don't, I want to tell you, you don't need to worry about the, the things. You need, the Bible says, cast all your burdens upon Jesus because he cares for you. All, all, every burden. Your financial burdens, your sexual burdens, your ED. Amen. Now, we don't need Erectual dysfunction. Okay? All those things. You know what? The other day I was sitting with a guy, and a guy came to me and said, I'm too scared to tell anyone about this. And I'm like, what is it? And I was thinking to myself, he's going to tell me, maybe he molested his grandchildren or something like that. He said to me, I can't get an erection. I said to him, do you believe that the Lord wants to do something for you in this area? He said, I don't think he can. I said, I know he can, but do you believe he wants to do it? And guys, if the church doesn't get real about these things, I want to tell you, we must not be afraid to speak out about these things. I was holding his hands and he was weeping like a baby. I was praying, I was saying, Lord, can you do this? Can you do this? He phoned me and he said, listen, I didn't need to take the blue pill. Had a girl, my wife can testify about that. We were speaking about these girls and um, they could not get pregnant. I want to tell you, I have no magic in my hands. But I know the one who has a heart for those who cannot get pregnant. And throughout scriptures, he has closed wombs, but he's also opened them. I've got people thinking they're so unloved that God has cursed them and left them without anything. You know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to change the mentality because if you can believe that he wants to be good to you, I believed for a long time that Jesus can do it, but I just didn't believe he wanted to do it for me. My biggest problem was an identity problem because I never knew his kindness could be kind to me because I've always experienced the lashes of the church and the hurt and the pain of disappointment because I entrusted myself to people and people tend to disappoint. I had to come and say, Jesus, I want to know this Lord, this Savior. I want to fall in love with the one who's real. And I don't want to preach a superficial Jesus who's, who says he can do it, but he's never involved. He does not care. I want to tell you this morning that the word says he cares for you. 
I can make this thing a superficial. I can blow it up. I can everyone put everyone on a hype. But I want to say to you that the spirit of Jesus is present in our midst. The Bible says that the spirit and the bride says, come Lord Jesus, come. And if you are sitting here this morning, whatever problem you might have, financial, emotional, stress, hurt, pain, disappointment, deceivement, if you bring this to the cross this morning, he's going to take you out of that graveyard and he's going to send you back to your hometown with a testimony that will go. And you know what? Jesus trusted this guy more than his disciples. I'm proving it for you in the last portion of scripture. Verse 18, and I'm finishing up, it's my last scripture. And as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from, from these demons asked him, Could I go with you? It broke my heart the first time when I read this scripture. Because I was that guy who wanted to be so with Jesus. And I never understood why Jesus didn't tell me to get into the boat because he didn't have to get any religion out of me because I had none. I came into church and I was so unreligious. When I got into church, you know what was the first thing? The reason why I beat the guy off the stairs was because he asked me if I was a slave. Because I had long hair and I had ear piercings and a tongue piercing. And only slaves used to wear ear earrings. And I said to him, you call me what? You think I'm your... your you know what I want to say. And I beat the guy down the stairs. I said, now who's your daddy? And then I felt so bad because it didn't make me feel better, stronger. I felt so insignificant. You know, when I stuffed it up in my first year, a girl came to me and she told me, she said, listen, she's my wife. I didn't know much about church. I just know husbands and wife, when they get together, the Lord wants them to, to be one. So I got... This one night I was staying over at their house and it was, I was my third, I was three months in Bible college. I just got the Bible on the hand. And I was, it was late night, we were watching movies and my mom said to me, no man, you can stay over there at the two bedroom house. She said, you can stay over. I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll go home. She said, no, no, you stay over. I said, okay, well then I'll sleep on the couch. She said, no man, you're a Bible college student. You guys know the word. You won't get yourself into trouble. I got into bed next to that girl. Who's known that feeling? It's like when you know there is a fix. I was too weak in my flesh. There's certain things, sometimes we are just stupid. We put us in situations that we know that the Spirit of the Lord has not called us to be in. Amen. At 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock that morning, I tell you, there's no good decisions made at 2 and 3. The rest is history. I had to go back home and I felt that I've deceived and crucified the Lord once again. I felt so dirty because I had intercourse with a girl. I thought she was my wife. I felt, Lord, is this, this is not what you want to do. I didn't need to get taught on sin. I need to get taught on love. I needed to be shown what true love was all about. And only when I met that girl, and she said no, and I said no. We grew all, we are busy growing all. This year will be our 18th year in marriage.
I've learned to love someone with my whole heart. And I'm still going home even sometimes if we fight. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is drawing us to be closer. And I don't have this superficial idea of what marriage should look like anymore. I know we do have our differences. I know that we fight. I know that we miss the mark. But I've chosen to dedicate my life to someone and to walk a road and to, to love her with everything that I have. And you know how secure she has become? Because I love her without any excuse. I tell you this morning, I don't need to teach you on the religious obligations to be accepted by Jesus. I need to tell you how to fall in love with Him over and over and over again. If I can tell you anything this morning, so as we're going to go into this worship, I'm just going to ask Wilhelmine just to, to sing a song for us. I want you to stand up and I want you to get anything that removes you. Just get that out of the way. Hear what happened here. He asked him, can I go with you? And Jesus answered, no. It's not because he didn't want him to go. It's because he trusted the encounter that this guy had more than the encounters that those who had lit loved little. He was not performing. He knew he was broken. And listen here. But he said to him, he told everyone not to go and do it. But this guy is telling him and the woman at the well in John 4 to go. He says, go back to your hometown and your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has mercy on you. Tell them how he didn't give you what you deserved. How he gave you nothing you deserved. And the man left and went into the region. He went into the region. He got the mandate. The, first, the church has a mandate. The woman went to the very men of the city. If you read it in the King James in John 4. She went back to the very men that she had intercourse with. And she told him everything that he told her. And all he told her was how she fell into sexual promiscuity. Listen here. He went into the region of the Jordan and parts of Syria and told everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. If you go and read it in the commentary, it says, Everyone, everyone believed because they knew what he was. I want to ask you this morning, what have you become? Are you walking in this grave area? Are you walking hurtful? Are you still blaming yourself for past mistakes? Are you willing to get out of that graveyard into a place where he can say, I love you so much and I've, I've released you? Are you ready to go and do what he's calling you to do? I want to tell you the next assignment of the church is to go out and to go and love a lost and dying world. And the only way we will do it is by setting an example. What do you say, Matthias? I want to tell you one thing. I do believe in discipline. I still apply the rod to the backside of children that does not have good manners. I still believe that we have principles. There's still good guidelines out of the shadow books. But I'm not ordered by those shadows, shadow books. And I live by a different set of rules than the religious obligations of the day. I'm so loved that I don't have any, any, I don't care what people's opinion or what the church might think because I know how much he has loved me. Let's just stand.
going to ask you just simply just to close your eyes. Let's just become aware of the Holy Spirit.